G'day guys, Simo Shells here and welcome to episode number 17 of the Geocaching Down Under podcast recorded live on this, the 8th of January in 2020. Um, before we start, I'd like to send our thoughts and prayers um, to all those people and especially the wildlife that has been affected by all the fires that are burning across this great country of ours. Um, so let's all pray for real, some real rain um, and, and that no more lives, uh, that of humans or of animals, get lost in this in this sad, sad state of affairs at the moment. But in saying that, I will say this, and that is we have the support of the world. Um, the amount of people that I've had from uh, France, from the US, uh, from Germany that have contacted me asking how everything is over here in Australia has been fantastic. So we do have the support of the world, guys. So yes, let's hope and pray that all that gets all, all, all finished and all done finally. So anyway, well, that said, now tonight we are chatting with a man who is well known in the state of New South Wales, very well known, in fact. Um, he used to be the president of Geocaching New South Wales. He spends more time now, though, on his woodworking hobby. Um, he had some great geo products for sale as well that we'll talk about tonight. Um, some call him James, but he's better known as Zal Griath. I even said that right this time, didn't I? You did. I did. G'day, mate. How are you going? Very well, mate. And these days, kicking off as fix-it fingers too. So a bit of an identity crisis going on. Just depends on who I'm talking to at the time. Oh, that's right. So fix-it fingers is your business name, isn't it? Fix-it fingers is the business name. So yeah, yeah but uh, I arrive. Most people will know me here uh, usually as. And mate, we have had a little bit of rain here in Sydney. Um, yeah. Some fairly decent rain past 24 hours, but uh, unfortunately, it's uh, not good on the forecast. Uh, there's more heat coming too. So. Yeah. Yes, everyone uh, do first and foremost be safe out there caching at the moment because exactly. it's still probably not the best time to be going bush. Exactly. And that's 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 a really good point too to make, and that is you know, if you're out there in the bush or whatever else, and we all love bushwalking and whatnot this time of the year and, and stuff. I mean, normally we used to worry about snakes, but now we're actually worried about bushfires and stuff. So do not do not put yourself in danger, people, just to find the cache. It is not worth it. So if there's a fire areas in your location, don't go out caching, go somewhere else, you know. Um, plus, the other thing is, do not go around roadblocks. <laughs> I have heard people have been going around roadblocks um, to go and find that elusive cache container or whatever. Yeah, it's not worth it, guys. So definitely do not do that. So anyway, um, all right, we're going to get straight into geocaching news and events. Now, I've got some new banners here for the actual live podcast um, and see how we go. So the first one we're going to head off to is the GeoVenture 2020. That's in Millicent in South Australia. GC82DAN in April 2020. And that's Golf Charlie 82 Delta Alpha November. Look at that phonetically and everything. Um, <laughs> after that one, we have WA Goes Big. And that's in Albany and Denmark in Western Australia. And that's on the 30th of May to the 1st of June in 2020. It doesn't have a GC code as yet. I even looked again. Um, it hasn't been published as we as the, at the moment. But think about that, uh, that sort of time frame over that way. After that, we have the Oz Geomaster, and that'll be held in Kempsey, in New South Wales, from the 3rd to the 5th of July this year. GC8, G3HT, Golf Charlie 8, Golf 3 Hotel Tango, and that's in Kempsey. After that, we have the New Zealand 2020 in Auckland, and that's in October. Uh, GC8, double seven. Double seven. <laughs> what a great GC code that is. Uh, so GC eight double seven, double seven for the New Zealand Mega. Um, and then after that one, the last one for the year would be the Victorian Mega in Whittlesea, and that's on the 14th and 15th of November in uh, in 2020. And that is GC eight EW40 Golf Charlie 8 Echo Whiskey 40. So make sure you put in your will attend. Register and plan your geocaching trips now. So, <laughs> meanwhile, he's got his—he's back. He's back. His lighting has been confirmed. He's back, um, mate. Are you going to any of those events this year? What's happening with yourself, mate? Yes, um, did my first mega. Would you believe it or not? As my five thousandth find and pretty much ten-year anniversary uh, down in Wollongong last year. I was a sponsor of the event uh, for the Oz Geo Muster. And I'm hoping to repeat that effort today. So there's not too many details out for the um, the Kempsey one yet, but as soon as no. they do, um, in my business capacity, I'm going to hopefully come on uh, firstly as a sponsor, uh, secondly as a storeholder, and mm -hmm. thirdly, of course, in person to go and find many, many boxes in between those times. <laughs> exactly. So you're saying that you've been a geocacher for 10 years. 
you had 4,999 fines before your very first mega? I had to tailor the numbers. Just I had to hold back a little bit uh, leading up to the mega to make sure I had the right numbers to, to yep, swing yep. that prop. But yes, uh, I'd never managed to make a mega, generally because the Australian ones have been you know, around Easter traditionally. And yes. that's the time of year that my wife and I usually go to the Northern Hemisphere for our holidays. So oh, I've just never been in the country. Of course. Them, really, absent. And so it was great to get there. Winter, whose idea was that? That was brilliant. <laughs> well, I won't. I won't mention who was part of part of that that committee who made that decision. But anyway, <laughs> um, looking forward to great funds. Exactly, exactly. Actually, going quickly back to the bushfires here, we've got uh, Mitchell John on Facebook, and his question is: Who will replace all the caches in the bushfire area? Now, I know Mitchell John; he's a brand new geocacher, so he doesn't know too much about geocaching itself. Um, and it's a very good question. Mitchell, and what it basically is is that the the COs, the people who own the caches to begin with, they're the ones that have to firstly obviously disable them, wait until the, the, you get the all clear from the fireys um, and the RFS, and then they can go in and, and check on their cache if it's if it needs replacing, it needs replacing, or they can archive it. So, yeah, that's what happens with the with um, uh, caches in bushfire areas. I actually had to replace uh, well several several of mine that was in Sutherland um, two years ago. We had bushfires in Sutherland. I replaced several of mine there, and I've most recently had to replace one here up in uh, up in the casino area. Um, recent bushfire in Whippery up here too. So yes, so that's what happens for that. So Mitchell, thank you for the question. Very very good indeed. All right, we're going to get on with this show. We're going to do a little bit of music break, and then we're going to jump in and talk more to Mister Zalgarath himself. So stand by. <laughs> Okay, and welcome back. And yes, we are here with James, also known as Zalgrith or Fix Fingers, depending on what capacity you're going to talk to him about. Um, so, James, I'll call you James. I've, I've, I'm, I fondly know you as James, so that should be fine. Um, so, you said you started geocaching, what, 10, 13? How long ago was it now you actually started? August 2009, looking back at my show notes. So it wasn't quite 10 years uh, to the mega, but, but yeah, almost. Yeah. Almost 10 years to the mega. That's wow. So, yeah, so uh, 2009, that's a fair way away. So how did you start? Did you start off with, a obviously, a GPS device, not a phone like everyone else starts with now? I did. So um, my mate who introduced me to the hobby discovered himself while he was doing the um, Japanese English teaching program over in Japan. So he found mm -hmm. it over in Japan, and they're pretty nuts vacation over there. Uh, and he got back and goes, hey, we're at a barbecue. He goes, you like bushwalks and geeky stuff, James. Have you heard of this geocaching thing? And I hadn't. And uh, we were in the Botanic Gardens. We went for a walk and he sort of showed me what it was all about. I thought, that sounds great. And at the time, all I had access to, and probably for maybe 18 months, I think it was my first thousand finds, I used a TomTom Tom 1XL in-car GPS. Oh, wow. My so one of the ones you actually stick to the windscreen of the car. The, yeah, just the, the, getting out of yeah. uh, Vogue these days because everyone uses their phone instead. But yeah, one of the yeah. in-car screen yeah, GPSs. The um, old ones. And you could, there were there were all sorts of online ways you could hack them to import the GPX data and right. put icons on there as well. And you could even enter notes. It was very rudimentary, um, but it was uh, no functional. Um, battery yeah. life was well. Yeah. Come to think of it, the battery life wasn't any worse than a modern mobile phone. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's that. Well, I remember distinctly I had that for at least the first thousand finds before I got my first GPS portable smartphone. See, now you think about it this way in the old days, old days, the old days of geocaching as opposed to today, and that is like you had to do so much more work to actually go and find a cache oh, back in those days. You know, by the sound, organized. You have to be organised. You have paper, to paper, carrying reams of paper, reams of paper with me, just printed up, um, because the Tom Tom only had very, very limited, basically coordinates. Yeah, uh, that's an right. arrow is what you got. You drove to the closest spot, then I need to get. So if I wanted the hint, if I wanted description or notes or puzzles or multis, all of that, you, you needed physical printed paper. Wow, not very friendly. I, 
I, I tell you, this day and age, in today's society, we get brand new caches now. Um, yeah, they we are blessed. I'm one of the blessed few. Uh, what I've, I've been cashing out for five or six years. So, yeah, and I've only ever cashed with a phone. I don't know any other difference. So I've, never... I've, I've never owned a real uh, GPS unit. I went from the TomTom to mm-hmm. uh, smartphone caching. I had a Garmin, the yeah. old Garmin phone. Brilliant. And now just modern, modern smartphone. So I'm the same. Never, never had a real GPS. Right, right. <laughs> Very interesting indeed. Wow. Yeah, printing out notes and everything. That's that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. So in, in your uh, – so you're up to around, around just over the 5,000 fines now, aren't you? Yeah, yeah I just yeah. Uh, clicked on a little bit. Not, not as, as I said, not as active as, as I have been with you know, life and, and other hobbies is clicking in. But, yeah, um, yeah still we'll talk a bit more about what I have been doing, Casey, lately. Yeah. But just about 5,100 at the moment. Uh, on geocaching.com, if I throw in my GCA, I'm close to 7,000. Yes, I know. I've I've spoken to several GCA players, which I'm not one of. Um, I appreciate a game that's different to ours, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> so, which would then GC caches we're talking here? Which ones would be which? Which cache do you have a favourite? Do you have one that's uh, really sticks out sticks out to mind? Oh, dude, look, I've been very lucky for work and and other reasons to have travelled. Uh, quite a number of countries to go caching in um, and there are a few highlights overseas and America is an, an amazing place as you'd probably mm. agree to go oh, to. Yeah. It's, just, it is. it's just nuts. Um, but having said that, uh, and I hope he doesn't turn too much of a shade of red, still to this day, the best yeah. geocache in the world that I have done is right here in Sydney. In the German, world. Uh, there we go. Bruce. Otherwise, Calypso 62, a few people probably saw that coming. Yeah. Uh, so at the governor's pleasure, GC6HR8E uh, starts right in the centre of Sydney in Hyde Park. It'll take you most of the day to do it. Yes. And yeah. it's just brilliant. Anyone who's done it will, will probably agree. I mean, the it's got everything. From a traditional point of view, when you actually do manage to find the box, it is just a brilliant, brilliant physical container. It is. Great. Um, in and of itself, it is a, a half-day uh, multi-cache with many, many stops along the way. And mm-hmm. some of those stops are field puzzles. So you're chucking in puzzle elements of it too. Yeah. And none of it is sort of like tedious or just because. Plus there's history. It literally has all the things that you would look for in 10 different caches all in one experience. That's just right. Really. Can't, can't go much. We're very you, lucky to have that here. In the city. You do. You do have to make sure you finish it before five pm as well. Well, without too many spoilers, yes. That, that well, that, that's what. You can do it multiple days. You can do it over multiple days. You don't have to rush it. Um, it's, and it, the only trouble is that it's probably not the best case for tourists for that reason. It is yes. complicated. It does help if you're a local and, and know your way around Sydney a bit. Yeah. You have to really plan your whole day around that one box. If you exactly right. Exactly right, and 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 as most geocaches, what we we are like, and that is, we don't just do one multi. If we do a multi and it takes us on a large scale area, we ca- we grab every traditional in between the waypoints. We look for every other virtual or earth cache all in between the waypoints. So yeah, what would normally take someone you know maybe an hour to do ten waypoints can take the whole day. So. And, yeah, and, I, obviously, I've basically cleared out Sydney, um, the Sydney CBD, uh, so I work there, so there's yeah. not any distractions left for me to, to go off it. But if you're a new person coming to Sydney, then oh. it's really dense. Lots of it is, it is. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and, and speaking of, of Sydney as well, we'll, we'll touch on uh, the new the new types of caches that have come out now, the, the lab caches. Um, Ooh, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I well, remember coming to those uh, in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. If we, we, we with the lab caches, you've got the uh, you've got uh, a few waypoints of lab caches in the middle of Sydney as well. I do, I do indeed. Yeah. Are you throwing me up though now, Craig? I know, I know. There's, there's no. I, I try. I don't do any real rhyme or order to the show notes. You know, I'll go back and forth a little bit. So. <laughs> All depends on how the conversation goes. Uh, it, trust me, it's it's a killer. Um, you try and be in my head. Um, so yeah, with the lab caches, I mean, you you, you got eight. What, seven or eight waypoints you've got in the lab? I do. Yeah. So um, speaking about big caching projects, this is mm. by far the biggest project I've been involved in lately. Yeah. Um, and it was 
a lot of work. People might remember, if you've been around long enough, the old Where I Go. Uh, yes. You don't see too many of them. Uh, there are a few. Um, they're, they're quite an old cache type and they do still exist. But the mm -hmm. reason they never really took off is because if you've ever tried to program one, they're incredibly complicated. I'm a fairly geeky computer literate type person and even mm -hmm. I struggle when I attempted to make a Where I Go. <laughs> so what I've really loved about these lab caches is that you need almost no computer skills, really. Um, it's very, very basic. If you can create a normal geocache, you can create a lab cache. Yeah, they've done a really um, good job with that, that framework of it. Yeah, and they, they, they do. And they're, still, they're still changing. They're still improving. There's going to be lots of changes to them. And um, Yeah, of course. Yeah, I was one of the lucky Sydney people who got offered uh, to do one and, and have them out for this summer. Uh, cool. My one is called Sydney's Operatic Operation. It starts at the Sydney Opera House. Because right. better, you're going to do a uh, adventure. And yet there are eight eight waypoints. Mine will take about two hours if you don't get distracted. And <laughs> I cliched it up massively. Basically, it's Sydney yeah. history. It is all of the highlights you would expect as an international or local tourist to see. Um, it was right. a hell of a lot of work. Really proud of it, and I um, do yeah. hope that people. Really, really enjoy it if you get the chance when it's yeah, yeah. So there you go, guys. Again, another reason to come when you come to, to Sydney itself. There's a, a few lab caches now being placed. Well, lab adventures, they like to be called. Uh, a few lab adventures placed, Adventure Lab. Um, uh, Geocache New South Wales have also got an Adventure Lab through Sydney. And that follows yeah, the old the tank stream. Yeah, that follows the old tank stream. There used to be a multi um that they've mm -hmm. uh, recreated as an Adventure Lab instead, which is really cool. I did that uh, only... The other two weeks ago, I think I, I, I did that one as well. Um, Calypso's got one in the in the city. It's around the rocks area, and I tell you, I didn't have enough time. His his one. If you haven't done it yet, uh, be sure to go into Sydney and to, just to do this lab this lab adventure. It's it's basically a pub crawl, <laughs> but it gives you but <laughs> but it gives you the uh, the history though of the the actual rocks area itself. And so you go, literally you go from pub to pub to pub um, all around the rocks. And if I had the time, I'd be having one drink at each location, like, you know, just to celebrate each lab cache. But I didn't get the time. That's a lot of lemonade. That's a lot of lemonade. I, I haven't done it yet, but I have a sneaking suspicion that just like the GC New South Wales one is, is on, based on an old archive multi-court tank stream, I yes. have a sneaking suspicion that those one might be based on an old filmer cache called Pub Crawl. Uh, which sadly oh. so along with brilliant but he's put a um speaking to bruce he was obviously a bit cloak and daggers with that he's put a um a fictional spin on it hasn't yeah he? yes yeah 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 it's one of those ones where, like it's uh, mobs and mobsters and stuff like a, a you know you go around and you look at different oh, things like, I, I love it. Bruce's name, it's usually brilliant it is, it is. absolutely good. absolutely all right, now we now we'll go. We'll, this is all your geocaching stuff done, AC. Now we go on to how did you actually go from uh, from geocaching into your woodworking? Now, like what what happened? How did you actually get into woodwork? Have you always loved woodworking, or no, mate? I said I I never did. Um, you might have picked. I was a bit of a nerd at school, so I did what chemistry and computers and and things. I never did the practical subjects. So I'm terrible at art, terrible at music. So that's my creative side has never really been expressed too much through any hobbies. Mm -hmm. um this whole episode really is about joining hobbies and it's it it's really is a nice example of how one thing leads to another obviously one of my early passions as a as a teenager was camping hiking and uh bushwalking and yep. so from there that hobby led into geocaching when it came on the scene and came onto my radar no pun mm -hmm. intended um and that you know obviously took over my life like it does for a lot of people for a good number of years when i was traveling it was the perfect companion Yep. And uh, a lot of people who then get into geocaching are afflicted with a disease called path tag itis. Uh, and <laughs> I, shiny things that I'm start one of collecting. Those. I'm one of those. I'll, I'll admit I, I have a path tag addiction and a geocoin addiction as well. Yes, I have those. No, I, I avoided that one because I'm too tight and they were very expensive. So path tags yeah. help being cheaper. <laughs> true, that's true. And then finally, from path tags, or as anyone who collects path tags knows, they inevitably end up usually in a drawer or a box or a biscuit tin and all these lovely, shiny mementos of people that you've met and places mm. you've gone are hidden away. Yeah. And I wanted a way to display those in uh, my garage downstairs. 
And yeah. rather conveniently, I had recently taken over sort of handyman duties here at the building where I live because I'm a strata manager here. And we just, you know, there were so many little things in an old building that needed fixing that would have cost us a fortune to get a, you know, a proper contractor in, just you know, small painting, stuff like that, really basics. So I started that and then I went, if I've got these tools, I can solve my path tag problem and I'm going to build something. Mm -hmm. Oh, here we go. All right. For those of you who aren't, uh, haven't got the, vi the visual of this, I'll have to actually describe it. What James is now holding is, oh, wow. Um, it is a map of Australia and it includes Tasmania as well. Look at that. Um, it's roughly about, what's the size of that, James? What what, what, what size do you reckon it is? About 50 centimetres across. About, so from the Tassie to Cape York is probably about 40 centimetres and east to west about 55 centimetres, I guess it is. So there you go. About, about 40 centimetres by, by 60 centimetres roughly is this size of australia now it does say gca in the middle of it but the best part about it is all the path tags are attached all throughout the entire country including one in tasmania as well look at that well just a shout out to my tassie friends um this yeah. isn't actually an australian map path tag holder this is a tasmanian path tag holder because the way i had to do it was to make sure that the tassie state tag had a safe home within the boundaries of tasmania and the rest of Australia just happened to be the right size after that. So that's how this design came out to be this size. I had to get the Tassie tag in. And yes, it says GCA because the Eagle Eye Path Tag Collector will notice that these are basically they are all of GCA. GCA Path Tag support. They are. So, yeah, um, yeah this, was, this was the reason I got into woodworking in, in short. I wanted mm -hmm. to build something cool to display my tags. And yeah. it took a bit of practice to get to that point. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I saw as well. Now, again, the, the views, those of you who are just listening, like on your way in the car, a lot of people listen to this sort of show in the car. Um, uh, James was holding it up and he actually turned it sort of half upside down, like face down, and none of the path tags moved. Did you glue them in there? How do you actually, what, what happens with the path tags when, yeah, look, look at that. You no, move they're, them around. They're all magnets. They're just on magnets, no. so I can take them off. And stick them back on, stick yeah, them around. Like if I if I bashed it on the back, then they'd, they'd fall off. Fall but off. you know, try not to do that. No, that, they'll yeah. hold it quite nicely. So yeah, there's a path tag size hole, millimeter deep, little yeah. magnet embedded in there, and that, that holds them quite nicely. That is brilliant idea. Um, only for the simple reason you think about it. If you if you have your path tag collection all and up and nice, and it's full, but you get a better path tag, and you can actually swap them out in that case, then can't you using the magnets? You know? Oh, yeah, totally. Um, yeah. yeah, they just make a convenient, convenient way of storing things. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. We've got a question from YouTube from Tank Engine, and the question is for you, Zal. It says, uh, do you have an Australia to hold 200? How many How many does your one hold, that, that big Australia one? That one there holds 81, which was just the random uh, number that came to when I split up, because all the GCAs generally come in sets, so, like, I've got... Yeah. State capital sets are geographically where the state capitals are in Australia, and then they have like the Australian birds. So I knew how many path tags I wanted yeah, without yeah. the capitals, and then just sort of grouped all the other subgroups together. I could have fit more on there if I really wanted to, but it was yeah. so that, to hold. That's a, that's a large one. That's a large one that fits 81. Now, I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not. 81 is the, the your DT grid as well. Did you know that? <laughs> Uh, wasn't planned that way, but when no. I when I sort of figured that out, it, it was it was a bit of a smile. So yeah, I don't know if anyone's ever made. I bet you someone has made a path tag set that has yeah. eighty one different 81. DTs on it. It would. We'll they would. That. I reckon we'll have, to, we'll have to Google it. We'll have to Google it. Um, a lot of people in the chat room now are saying that yes, they do do collect path tags. Um, yeah, there's quite a few of them all in there having a chat in there saying, yes, path tags are my favourite. Some have only got a couple of path tags. Others have got like a, a bundle of path tags. Um, now, you were selling these uh, path tag holders at the Oz Geomaster last year. Um, not that that large, large ones. You Like a smaller version. And again, just for those listening, um, James is now holding up a map of Australia, but in a one-handed style rather than two. Um, a quite a bit smaller. How many does that one hold, the, the smaller Australian? That's 12. 12, yep. 12, 12 in that one. That's that's really nice. And then it's a it's a rectangular square timber style. And how many does that one hold? 
That one's got 15, but it also has a GeoCoin slot. So GeoCoins aren't magnetic, which was the advantage of park bags. So you can't use magnets to hold GeoCoins. And also, you know, they're all random spaces and sizes and and shapes. So GeoCoin holders are a little bit trickier to to do because you can't just cut circle holes. But this one will hold three to four, depending on the size of them, too. So they're the last couple I've got left over. Perfect. Now, I can actually personally vouch for these because I do have one of each. I have the small Australia and I do have the, the rectangular one as well. I've got two only because I'm greedy. Um, and I can, again, I can vouch for the rectangular one. It holds the geocoins in the top perfectly. Um, and you can, again, you can swap them out quite nicely as well. I do like the way you've done that with the, the slot. So basically, gravity and a bit of friction holds them in there. Um, yeah, it's very, very clever indeed. Very clever. So you said you you sell these now, do you? These these pathway holders. I do. So I do have a few. So I I've never intended to. Obviously, the um the giant one was a project just for myself, and mm-hmm. this was a bit embarrassing. It was like one of the very early things. Obviously, is why I started. I made something very, very similar to this. It was basically one of the first things I made out of wood. And just because it was path tags, when, when I think path tags, I think Roger W three. Uh, he is an absolute yeah. path tag nutter. Uh, loves yeah, in his Australia. Um, in Australia. And, yep. Yeah, oh, mate. And he's <laughs> around the world. He's famous for his path tags. Yeah. So when I built the big one, my little practice one that mm-hmm. I made, I gifted to Roger because he's given me so many tags over the years. I thought it would be a nice thing. Now, this is, mm-hmm. this is a bloke who has never really picked up a saw before. Very, very fresh woodworker sending yep. the first thing I made to someone I know as a geocacher. Yep. Yeah, except who also may have spent 40 years as a professional cabinet maker <laughs> and knows more about wood than I will ever, ever, ever achieve in my lifetime and gave me some very friendly, constructive criticism. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of embarrassing. It's the thought- uh, turned out the best. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Well, who was to know? Who was to know that he was actually a cabinet maker all these years? You see, you only yeah, know him. Other lives. Who would have thought? Exactly. Exactly. People have got other, you know lives outside of geocaching. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. <laughs> now, anyway, people... from there, people people saw the small one oh, and the big one on on my social media, and yeah, yeah. I started getting requests going. You know, could you make me one? Um, how yeah. much would it be? Sort of all these things, and. Um, I, was, I was never planning on getting into woodworking to sell anything. I'm just doing it for the funsies. Um, yeah. But yeah, the mega came around as, as an opportunity. And so that was my first foray into trying to make more than one of something. Um, yeah. And to tell you what, it, it's hard work. It is really hard work, particularly for a learner um, to make them. So um, yeah. it did happen. Uh, probably will happen again this year for the mega. But yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's a tough, it's a tough gig. And for those for those who don't know either, you really did put yourself out there in terms of um, when you started your woodworking, um, or would you call it a career? I don't know, or your woodworking uh, hobby. Oh, um, yeah. you've, you've put it out there as well on on social media in terms of YouTube. So you got a YouTube channel as well. I did. So uh, the YouTube channel is Fix It Fingers. Now, ostensibly, Fix It Fingers doesn't make a huge lot of sense for woodworking per se, because that's my business name. That's I said, I'm yeah. the, the strata manager here and I'm the, the handyman here, so I you know, have all the right. ABN and all the you know, stuff set up for that. Yeah, yes. um, but when I started woodworking, talking about crossing hobbies, as mm-hmm. you could serve your lovely uh, personal channel for geocaching, yeah, yeah. you would understand that once you pick up that it becomes another hobby. It does. It does. Absolutely does. <laughs> it, it creates it's more time. Yep. yep. It's 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 a lot. So much yeah, you do. You do. Um. Yeah. Now I, I've watched uh, quite a few of yours, and and you know what? I, I I didn't I didn't know anything about woodworking, and I learnt a thing or two as well whilst watching. So, um. So yeah, definitely. Get, well, you know, I watched some of yours yeah. to learn the editing. <laughs> exactly. Definitely get on to Fix It Fingers, guys, on YouTube. Have a look at that. And that's uh, F-I-X-I-T, Fingers as Normal. Now, it sounds like a bit of a strange sort of name, but it's because of your last name, isn't it? It's because of your name, your real name. Well, it, it, it does work. My, I said people sort of thought that I was breaking these as a handyman. With, the name was counterintuitive, but my surname is actually Finger, and I do get called yep. Fingers uh, yep. just for another name uh, to throw out there. So. Yep, Everyone yep. loves a little bit of alliteration. It, it works exactly. well. And look, there, if you want to know 
how these are made and see the amount of work that goes into them, particularly the, the big one. I do yeah. apologize for the quality of the videos. They're, they're a little bit long and, and, and dry, but I, I document, that's what my channel's about. It's about documenting me learning woodworking and sharing that process with people. So hopefully over time, the videos have gotten snappier and better edited and, and more interesting and probably not a huge amount of interest to most geocaches, but you can see there are a few geocaching related videos on there. There are, there are. Now, also at the same time, when, it, when we come to talking about videos and whatnot as well, um, I tend to find that I actually quite enjoyed watching yours because it was real. Like there's nothing fake about you. You, 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 you're natural in front of the camera in terms of, you know, you're basically describing what you're doing. You know, that's all it is. It's not that hard to do. You're not putting on any fakeness whatsoever. So yeah, definitely guys, if you are looking at jumping, having a look at these online, go on to fix it fingers on his YouTube channel. You've also got a website as well, don't you? I do. Yeah. That's, um, that's more for legitimacy reasons than anything else. As any, my business, yeah. I have one client, that's my ability and I don't really sort of work for too many other people. Yeah. But, um, yeah, there are, there are some, there is some little bits and pieces on the website, YouTube channel and the Facebook page are the ones where uh, most page. people find now, the yeah. shop is on the Facebook page. So if you uh, are looking at, I do have a couple of these left over, um, and I can always make more for Kempsey. So they are on there. The um, if anyone wants to reach out for custom orders, um, yeah. then for something special, woodworking or path tag related, then mm -hmm. that's the best way to get me as well. Perfect, perfect. So there you go, guys. If you if you want photos of these, um, if you're listening to this and want photos, jump onto Fix Your Fingers on Facebook, and you'll see photos of these things, um, these path tag holders. Now you said you only got the rectangular ones left. You don't you don't have any of the Australia ones left, do you? Or? No, I think I have one or two of these and three or four of these um, at the moment. So I've got to restock Kenzie, but I may not do the exact same thing. That I might make something yeah. different. So he's got, you only got a couple of each left. So you guys get in quick before they go by the looks of things. Um, and that's pretty cool. Now, um, so going on then with your woodworking skills and you've changed, like you've you've combined your two hobbies between geocaching and woodworking, have you combined them to the point where you've created caches out of your woodworking skills? Please say yes. Please say yes. Not yet. Oh. No, no. I said, the, the, funnily enough, the, the biggest crossover, and so we're, we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves early with the Adventure Labs, is mm -hmm. um, if you've done my Adventure Lab, um, you'll actually find that it is YouTube-driven. In order to progress, you, there's two to three-minute history videos about parts of Sydney. Mm -hmm. So if I hadn't gotten into woodworking and then gotten into YouTube video making through that, mm -hmm. there's no way I could have then done this geocaching project. So it's come full circle absolutely to the adventure lab so yeah so that was great but yeah the the woodworking is definitely you know it's it's like anything you can always find your interests ways to mesh in with each other if you so wish yeah exactly exactly so so you said you've got an idea for a, a, an actual a real cash coming out with the woodworking do you or Soon you want to sort of avoiding the question there just a little bit i did i did uh, so if you don't want to reveal Sorry, mate, I talked over you then. What was no, that? no, you're, I was going to say, if you, if you don't want to if you don't want to spoil it, you don't have to. You just, no, you just, no, no. It's, it's not a new idea by any chance. It has been done. I'm thinking of my own twist on it. It is yep. the community library style cache. Oh, yes, yes. Every single library cache I've ever done has got favourite points on it too, which is pretty cool. Well, oh, they do. Okay. They do. And they, they're well suited because it's an awfully convenient excuse to have a large box in the public eye yes. and not have anyone suspect there's more than a bit of library borrowing going on exactly exactly and that's and that's the other thing you know um i created a, a, um, a cache out of timber i wouldn't say i'm a woodworker but i created a cache out of timber um and and it was one of those ones where it was a gadget sort of style cache where you put your credit card or an actual plastic card in the slot and then it flicked it open so the doors swung open and then you know you got the, the containers within um yeah to find somewhere to, that wouldn't get muggled that was incredibly difficult yeah. um and to the point where it was going really really well and then all of a sudden it got muggled but when i say it got muggled it got muggled in a very weird way and that is someone went there and they opened it all up and they just took out the entire content. So they took out all the, the actual tags because it was a, um, uh, what do you call it, a geocoin sort of, you know, um, hotel. 
Um, so they took out all the GEO coins. They took out all the actual um, TBs. And they took out the three containers that were in there. They even took the, the actual logbook and then just left it open. They didn't destroy it. They didn't do anything wrong with the actual container. Um, yeah, they just uh, just took out all the bits and pieces out of the center. I don't know. I had a, I have a few of them on my watch list, and they've just disappeared. So, And it was in the middle of nowhere. Uh, it really was in the middle of nowhere, so it wasn't like you could come across. But, yeah, so that's it does, sort of, it does happen, isn't that? Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the unfortunate thing with um, custom-made caches like that. It can be very disheartening um, because they can take so long to, to make them yeah. and to find the right spot for them, and you think you've done everything right to um, protect them from the outside world, and then, well, a bushfire happens or a muggle yeah. happens, and that's you right. lose that very precious, unique container. And it's, yeah. you know, it's time, it's money, and it's, it's, it's effort, so it's, it's challenging. Exactly. But one of my resolutions for this year, not that I usually hold to those sorts of things, is to get at least a couple of combined caches, woodwork, geocaches, that mm. are going to be very me and then sort of showcase yeah. what I've, I've learned over the past couple of years. Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, the only other thing with mine as well, is, and you can tell I wasn't a woodworker, and that, and that is every single uh, year um, a mouse would come in and make its own little nest in there and have little baby mice uh, inside the actual, inside the box. And I had, could not figure out a way in order to just sort of seal it up so the little little fella could not get in. Um, it was so funny. I got so many good logs on that because the mouse would jump out at people after they opened it up and it was, yeah, it was hilarious. But uh, but they'd make their own little nest in there and whatnot as well. So, <laughs> but anyway. Mate, you might have missed your calling. Obviously, it proves of your work. Well, that's that's right. I mean, the, the mouse was really enjoyed the house, so you know, maybe I I need to build mice mice hide like mice mouse houses. I don't mice houses. I don't know. Anyway, maybe I, I should build something like that rather than anything else. But no. Um. So I've managed to I disabled it and then archived it, and I've actually got the container with me here because I moved. You see, so yeah, I haven't done much else with it now because I, I again I do want to really try and steal it up so it doesn't happen again with the mice. You know, or yeah, snakes and whatnot as well. So just to make sure. <laughs> um, now uh, another question comes through from the uh, from YouTube. A very good question from Dan Truckermiller, also known as uh, the Truck. Um, he's from good old US of A in Pennsylvania. No, Pennsylvania. Yeah, Pennsylvania. Um, he says most caches are built from reclaimed or leftover lumber or timber. Um, do you build yours uh, your stuff out of leftover stuff, or do you? Um, you you have new. How do you get your materials, basically? Um, generally speaking, because wood in Australia, particularly hello to all my American friends who have a more reliable and affordable access to lots of different woods, uh, <laughs> it's expensive. It is even plywood here is very mm. very expensive. Um, for coming from a hobby like geocaching, which is you know ostensibly free, um, you know yeah. a few little expenses here and there, but very very good value hobby for what you have to spend on it woodworking obviously is not and if you buy all your wood it can be very expensive very quickly so mm. i try not to uh, ever spend money on wood if i can at all avoid it uh, facebook marketplace is great uh scabbing things off the side of the road during council collections is another fun <laughs> thing to do yeah yep. wifey doesn't really like that one too much and <laughs> I, I get friends and people now who know me know that i you know uh, and doing this will offer me stuff. They're going, oh, you're, I'm throwing out a bed. Do you want the bed slats? Because bed slats mm -hmm. are great. So short answer is yes, reclaimed is awesome. I love using it. It's a little bit, you know, more of a pain in the bum, but I'm not building, you know, any fine furniture. I don't have the skills for that. So the rustic look is good for me. Yeah, exactly. And also it's good, very good for the environment as well. I mean, you know, reclaimed or, or reusing something that was going to be chucked out and be, be put in landfill is much better. Oh, totally. And there's stuff that's, you know, it's good wood and it's often really expensive. Like people throw out things because it's old furniture, but old furniture was usually made from good wood. And if you were to go out and try and buy that, you'd be spending a fortune. So, you, you know, you're saving your pocket, you're saving the environment and you're getting character, you're getting a story behind um, what you're doing. The, the next project I actually have in mind is wood that I salvaged from my grandfather's shed. Uh, we lost him a few years ago, sadly, but while he was never a woodworker, he you know, collected things over his life, and so now I've got this wood that is going to mean something to me that I can turn into a meaningful project and, again, recycling really, really old Australian hardwood. So it's, yeah. it's a lovely sort of little um, aspect of the hobby. 
Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. And a great question. Thanks for that, Dan. Very, very good indeed. Yeah, yeah. So it's very good. So um, you were saying before, Zal, just to go back as well. Um, again, I'm just trying to promote here in regards to your sort of stuff. So are you uh, are you contactable for you know personalized items yet, or you're not going that far, or what's what's happening there? Yeah, look, um, I am, and um, the, the two things is it's like with my YouTube channel, and anyone who watches it will see, particularly if you watch the early ones, I am making stuff up as I go along as a woodworker, I'm completely self-taught off YouTube. Um, you know, it's, I'm, I'm not getting professional training, um, and I'm doing it for my enjoyment, as most people do for a hobby. Having said that, getting asked to do something by someone is just amazing. Like if they sort of trust you to do something, it's great. The reality is that um, I would never do this really for like a profit-driven thing terribly because there's no way I could charge someone for my time that it would take to build a project. It's just, it's not yeah. possible. It takes far yeah. too long to be economical. Um, so that, that's the sort of caveat that I put on anyone who approaches me to make them something. And I will do a massive shout out and apology here example to a gentleman known as Ozfox, who did exactly that. He came up and said, can you make me this path tag holder out of Perspex? Yeah, yeah. Now, I've not really worked with Perspex before, but it machines similarly to wood. And mm -hmm. what he asked for was very similar to, I'm now holding up the 15. Um, Rectangular one. Holder yep. again. Yep. Rectangular one. He wanted three 10 by 10s. Sounds very oh. easy, but yeah. in fact, doing geometric perfect shapes is probably the hardest thing you could possibly try to do. Of course. And it, it's difficult. And I won't bore you with the details. Short answer is it's a couple of months on and I've not succeeded in, in doing that. And like, he's a lovely guy. Obviously, yeah. I didn't ask him for any money up front. Right. And yeah. it's got to a point where I'm, I'm stalled on that project. So. Right. Love to work for people if I can, but yep, yep. you have to be realistic well, uh, in what you can do. Just to let you know, he's actually online watching now as we speak. Oz Fox oh, is man. he's he's playing his <laughs> <laughs> he said uh, he's on YouTube. Sorry, he's on YouTube, he's saying he's trying to watch it on his phone whilst he's traveling the country <laughs> road, but he's got poor reception. So there you go, Oz Fox. Um, he's watching you. So lucky you did a, a <laughs> A public apology of sorts. Public apology. So look, I'm, I I am still even a year on a novice, and I, I warn everyone that I you know I have to work within my capabilities. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm very happy to talk to anyone about what they would want, and I'll give them an honest and fairly quick appraisal of how long before I can deliver a product because yeah. you know I do work full time. I you know I do this in my spare time and what a realistic cost is going to be. Normally I'm just covering materials. I'm doing this yeah. for funsies. So yeah, yeah. it's, um, that's, so I'm happy to do it, but yeah, just be aware and be kind. Uh, if you do that, I, I may or may not be able to help you based on those restrictions. If that's the case, then probably best bet is to people just to keep up to date with your Facebook page and your social medias. Um, and if they come along to places like, and keep an eye out and keep an ear out, I'm sure you're going to advertise if you when you're going to be attending different events, such as the Oz Geomaster for in Kempsey. Um, and you'll obviously advertise at that point in time, look, I'm going to do a run of these guys. You know, if you want one, let me know. Is that that's pretty much what's going to be that's going to be ideal for you, isn't it, really? I think. Yeah, but this is as I said, the, the episode is about crossing hobbies. And mm -hmm. yes, I've sort of got a, a small financial aspect to the hobby, which helps pay yeah. for the hobby, but that's of what course. it is. It's a very micro business. It's not sort of out there to i'm not trying to shift my career into carpentry i've got a professional no. career as a scientist and that's that's what i do yeah um, it's just it is amazing isn't it how all these different seemingly unrelated factors in your life can come together and sit happily side by side absolutely absolutely and again as you're saying before you can vouch for that in regards to youtube channel as well like you know i started geocaching and then my kids got me into the youtube stuff the vlogging um it wasn't my idea it was my kids idea then they grow up and leave <laughs> and you just keep on going um i then featured in a few podcasts from america and i thought you know what australia doesn't have a podcast so that's why i created this podcast you see uh, and again i don't like we don't make any money out of this sort of stuff it's, it is a, just another hobby um but it is self-funded and we'll go through that later on as well because through patreon i've got a special announcement for patreon so yes um anything else you wanted to discuss except before we uh before we close off the show there uh james 
Oh, mate, I heard that there was um, once upon a time in Australia a very, very special cache that uh, might have had something to do with a movie release, um, which sadly didn't last terribly long, but has got something of a resurrection lately. <laughs> oh, you're talking about my lab adventure. Oh, yeah. am I? Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you all right, we'll touch on that just quick, quickly before we close out. Um, yes, I was one of the privileged ones to get a lab adventure um, offered to me as well. Um, mine was just five waypoints, and it is featured in Byron Bay on the, uh, the east east coast. Now, I will say this. There is a most easterly cache by um, – oh, who owns that? That's oh, – I can't think of their names now. They're the, the, the most found – People in Australia like uh, Liz and Bruce. Liz and Bruce. Uh, I should have known that off my heart. So Liz and Bruce own the most easterly cache on the mainland um, in Australia until now. <laughs> so one of my lab adventures is actually more east than that one. See, because when you do lab adventures, as you are aware, you don't have to abide by the 161 rule, the 161 metre rule. So therefore then... You know, I can be 100 metres out almost on the ocean itself uh, with this particular part of my lab adventure. So it talks about the beaches of Byron Bay predominantly. Um, but one of the uh, one of the waypoints, if you like, or one of the labs, as people like to call them as well, is uh, at exactly the same coordinates as the ape cache in Australia. And a lot of people don't realise that we did have that ape cache in Australia as well. There's only two left in the world now. Uh, one's in, in the good old US of A and I think one's down in Brazil. And we had one here in Australia in Byron Bay. Um, it cannot be replaced in any way, shape, or form because it is a national park there now. Um, but there is a virtual there too. A virtual has popped up uh, from Wayno. Wayno has put a virtual there uh, to like uh, to replicate the 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 ape cache. So if you go to these ones in Byron Bay, do the lab adventure at the same waypoint, exactly you get a lab cash and you get a virtual cash all in one so you get two in two for one deal there so yeah so i'm very proud of that one uh, in in byron bay and i too just like yourself did the the video version so you go to mm -hmm. a waypoint you click the video you know and, and it's, it's you, you don't see me though I, i'm not actually on there i'm just my voice uh, and again it's about the history uh, of the beaches of byron bay so it's pretty cool and again, a little bit. It's got one of them there is about the swimming between the you know the the red and yellow flags. You know, a bit of safety message there for the international visitors. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, I did that one as well. So it's pretty cool. So I know what you mean about the the lab adventures. Uh, pretty cool. Oh, a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if anyone's up near Byron Bay, jump in and, and grab it. Um, now with the lab adventures, just quickly on them as well. Do you have like a, a mystery final for yours, or, or like a bonus? Not no, no, not yet. Because I've noticed not a few bonuses, um, like a bonus cash, and a lot of them, a lot of them, especially the ones in ACT, like Kitty Catch and all them, they've got bonus uh, mystery caches. Well, mine is a bonus um, letterbox cache. See, so it's different again. So if you do the lab, that you get the lab, you get the virtual, you can get traditionals uh, mysteries, and then you can get a, an actual letterbox cache as well at the same time. So that's pretty cool. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for reminding me about that. I forgot about that one. <laughs> you got to self-promote these at your lab adventures, don't you? I mean, when you think about it, though, my, my lab adventure, it's been out now since before Christmas. Um, it's been found four times. Uh, yours was found like four times on one day. <laughs> yeah, it has been now. But even so, but to, to be honest, I expected it to be, uh, I mean, I no shame in it. I designed it to be very tourist-friendly and very, mm -hmm. very cliché Sydney-centric. Um, yeah. you know, Opera House, Harbour Bridge, all of that. And I, I put it down to the fact, and I hope this is something they change with the labs in the future, that you have to know it's there. If you don't yeah. know it's there and you're not opening the lab app, then you won't know it's there. And yeah. I, I would love to see Groundspeak put a lab adventure icon just filterable on the main mm. geocaching map in the app. So when you get off your cruise ship at Circular Quay, you open it up and you see all the caches around and you go, hey, there's a lab there. I now know to open my lab app That's right. so that I can go and do those. That I'd love to still be my number one improvement on there. Yeah. It's about a dozen finds and I, I yeah. would have honestly expected it to have more. So if you are in Sydney, make sure you go and check out the three labs now. In the CBD. That's, a, that's a great, that's a fantastic idea. Now, I know there's some reviewers that listen to this podcast as well, one of which is watching as we speak. Ooh. 
There you go, Mr. Reviewer, over in good old NZ. Uh, there's one information to take back to Groundspeak or HQ, and that is if we can try and get an icon placed on the GC map um, that there's a lab adventure in the area um, just so people can go, oh, you know what? Yeah, that's a good idea, and open up the lab adventure app. That's a great idea, mate. That's, I like that idea. They, they may be working to them. Lab adventures are obviously in their very early stages and you know yeah. they're, they're getting better all the time. All the, a lot of the bugs in the early app are gone. So if you had, if you ever tried one before and just got frustrated, yep. uninstall and reinstall the app and give it another go because they have improved a lot. They I'm have, sure they there'll have. be lots of cool things coming out in the near future for lab adventures. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, definitely, guys. Now, if you have any um, any questions about Lab Adventures or anything else as well, you can always hit us up here at the geocaching down under at gmail.com, geocaching down under at gmail.com. And we, if I if I don't know the answer, if we don't know the answer at all, we'll point you in a direction of someone who does. So, very good. All right, James. Well, we're gonna uh, we're gonna finish it off now. So, we'll just put a little bit of music first before we finish it off, and then uh, we'll say the goodbyes from there. Thanks for joining me, mate. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get this all sorted up now for you, so stand by. Okay, and thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, James, your YouTube channel, just to reiterate as well, um, you've got a YouTube channel, Facebook page, and also a website, Fix It Fingers It Is. That's the one, isn't it? And your, your store's on the Facebook page and everything as well, so that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. Fix It Fingers on YouTube. Fix It Fingers on Instagram is actually where I share a lot of it, and the store is is on the Facebook page. So if anyone has uh, an interest in learning woodworking, you can come share my pain, and there is a geocaching twist uh, rather regularly popping up. <laughs> awesome mate awesome 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 um now also uh when we talk about um uh, sort of mixing hobbies and it costing us money uh it does cost money to to do this uh, pay, uh to this patreon i'm getting mixed up again uh to, <laughs> to do this podcast so don't forget if you want to be one of the selected few in the know with everything about the, the actual geocaching down on the podcast join us on patreon that's patreon.com forward slash geocaching down under and levels are start from just as low as one dollar a month and you can be part of the little special group that we have um now next month on the show and this isn't even in the show notes because this happened like literally you know an hour ago uh, next week on the show we will have someone and not just me but someone else here from geocaching new south wales and we're going to be talking about everything related to geocaching new south wales as there's the group um what they're up to um exactly you're proudly wearing that shirt too fantastic to see um so yeah there'll be might be a couple joining us uh next month uh, from a geocaching in new south wales so we look forward to that so thanks to everyone who jumped into the live youtube broadcast tonight and remember we record this live in the first week of every single month so make sure you follow all the social media pages so you don't miss out on anything in, of the geo chat have any further questions or comments please drop us a line at geocaching down under at gmail.com and uh, let me finish this off with some music as well. And this podcast can be downloaded on any of your favorite podcast apps. And they include Podbean, Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, and Spotify as well. So that brings us to the end of episode number 17 of the Geocaching Down podcast. I'm C. Michelle, and thank you so much to Zal Goriath. Thank you very much, mate. Thanks for joining. Happy caching, everyone. Caching. Happy caching. <laughs> so from us, we're over and out. <laughs>